informing America's farmers and ranchers. This is AOA, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Jesse Allen. And welcome into AOA, Agriculture of America. Thanks for being with us here on today's program. Another great show for you as we are working through our Thanksgiving holiday week. Coming up on today's program, we're going to talk markets in just a moment with Mike Zuzalo from Global Commodity Analytics ahead of the Thanksgiving holiday. Then segment two, three, and four, we'll head back to last week's NAFB convention in Kansas City, Missouri for conversations that I was able to sit down and have during the convention. We talked with Tanner Emke from CoBank about a new elevator storage report. That's coming up in segment two. In segment three, a wide-ranging swine health conversation with Dr. Paul Sundberg from the Swine Health Information Center. And then we'll talk probiotics in our cattle and good gut health in segment four with Dr. Steve Lerner from Christian Hansen. All that more coming up on today's AOA brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Well, let's turn our attention to what is going on in the market trade ahead of the Thanksgiving holiday. Mike Zuzalo with Global Commodity Analytics joins us here on AOA. Mike, great to catch up with you again. It was good to see you as well last week uh, in Kansas City, Mike. You too, and uh, happy Thanksgiving to you and your family and all the great listeners out there on AOA. Appreciate it, Mike, and same to you and your family as well. Let's talk about these markets heading into the Thanksgiving holiday. Uh, a couple things percolating around. Wheat getting a little support into the holiday with uh, more Russia missile and drone strikes on Ukraine port infrastructure. While meantime, it's all about weather, it seems, in soybeans for South America, for Brazil, Argentina. That, that seems to be the overarching things I'm watching. Is that kind of the same you're seeing in grains, Mike? Yeah, without a doubt, we've kind of created a reversal of that buy bean sell grain price action we had seen so far this week up until today. And um, I think you rightfully note the shift in the mindset of the trade in the wheat, coupled with the fact that there's some fresh numbers coming out of Ukraine, wheat exports year to date for the marketing year and corn exports only at about 5.5 million metric tons each. It's down about a million metric tons, Jesse, in the wheat, down about 60% versus last year at this time in the corn. So that Odessa port strike uh, in terms of a missile uh, Tuesday, kind of shaking the earth a little bit with the trade, more nervous, and I think rightfully so. Throw on top of that, probably the biggest news when it comes to the wheat today, and we'll see what the market can do with it going into the holidays. China's bought 110,000 tons of U.S. soft red wheat and uh, unknown destinations bought 128,000 tons of corn. I think that U.S.-China thaw that we talked about last week in NAFB um, after that meeting between President Biden and President Xi, I think it's occurring economically and from a trade perspective at this point. It's early days, but still good nonetheless. So we're, we're coming in buying grain, selling beans. We'll see if that shifts around at all. Does it feel like uh, there could be some nervousness here among traders heading into a, a fairly long holiday weekend? I know we'll have trade on Friday, but it's a shortened session. No overnight Wednesday night into Thursday. No overnight Thursday night into Friday. This always feels like a peculiar week. And with some of these uh, things uh, moving around the market, especially the weather in South America, uh, does it feel like there could be some uneasiness and nervousness and maybe some added volatility in the market, Mike? 
In my opinion, without a doubt, Jesse, I, I'm I'm not surprised that we're carrying very big volumes going into the Thanksgiving holiday because of what's at stake in South America. I think you rightly put the pointer right where it needs to be. And contrasting what we're seeing in the South American weather, with that that market's not likely to go anywhere, and it's going to probably stay center stage after Thanksgiving because northern Brazil is not getting what they needed in terms of rains and the and the temperatures are coming up. But we still have, for instance, an ADM executive saying that Brazil's soy crop could still potentially be large. That came out late last night, early this morning. AgroConsult comes out and says, hey, we're still dancing on almost a 162 million metric ton soybean crop in Brazil. So the trade's getting mixed signals. The, the headlines are telling them, don't take these beans up. That's why that 1374 level, that September high, we've gone through it, but we haven't been able to close above it. To me, I'm going to take it at pretty much face value. We close above that uh, on a good volume day. That's going to be a breakout in my opinion. I know, too, we have December options expiration on Friday, first notice day next Monday. And uh, typically, Mike, and you could talk about this better than I can, but typically I feel like there's a, always a lot of positions on these December contracts. And so I'd have to think some folks need to really take a close look at their marketing here with a very key uh, day coming up here at the end of the week. I agree. We're still limping on the lower Mississippi River, but our harvest is about wrapped up. And the eastern corn belt bearishness from a standpoint of big, big yields, I think is priced in. I think we're going to be watching real closely if the November beans, what they did to the bean complex as they went into delivery in terms of a push up, a short covering rally. Maybe that doesn't transpire with the FND, the first notice day for the December, especially given the Mata Grosso. I mean, the extremes we're looking at, Jesse, right now is a half to one and a half inch rain over the next eight to 14 days. And, and the one and a half inch rains are only going to cover about 30% of Mato Grosso, it looks like. So that's just not enough for that massive Safrina corn crop that they grow in that province. Another uh, day of volatility in crude oil as well here on Wednesday. We're down a little over 3% as I look at things right now. And any big news driving that crude market to the downside here Wednesday? Yeah, we got the Israel-Hamas ceasefire notice. That didn't do much, but what came out this morning before the opening, your your nose is right on it. OPEC Plus is pushing back their meeting to November 30th, and the trade did not like that. I'm a contrarian here. I think they're waiting for more data. I think it's more likely that the lower the prices go, the more likely they'll cut more. So, But the, the trade doesn't have anything to feast on right now, so to speak, so they're going to take profits, it looks like. All right. Give us some thoughts in the uh, cattle trade as well for our cattle ranchers out there. A little bit lower on Wednesday. Uh, that cattle on feed report last Friday was, I'd say, you know, neutral to friendly. Uh, what's your take in this cattle market ahead of Thanksgiving? Yeah, the, the on-feed number said you don't have to go running after the cattle. But Jesse, the, the retail beef numbers and report that USDA gave us Friday afternoon said the ad space for boneless, boneless and bone-in Ribeye roasts and steaks was up 325% versus the prior week. And I checked some major retailers and it looks very strong. Went to the big Thanksgiving grocery store in the big city yesterday for our shopping. It was crazy busy, probably the busiest I've seen in, in five or 10 years I've been going over there. So I feel optimistic about the beef roasts this year and the holidays. I think people are a little bit tired of ham. Sorry, pork raisers uh, and, and livestock guys that raise hogs. But I think these, uh, buy a turkey, get a ham free during the pandemic. I think beef's going to be chosen as, as the winner if we can get the prices down. And it looks like the featuring's good. 
Mike, real quick, any other risk management thoughts ahead of the holiday here that you want to mention or reiterate to folks? If we can get the demand back from a neutral Fed and a thaw in this relationship between the U.S. and China, I'm not going to be as pressured to sell weather rallies in the next 30 days, Jesse, but that's the tipping point we're dealing with. All right. Well, great stuff as always. And again, I'll wish you and yours a happy Thanksgiving. Mike Zuzalo with Global Commodity Analytics. Thanks so much for joining us on AOA, Mike, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you, my friend. You too. All right. Good stuff there. Good uh, perspective on the markets ahead of the Thanksgiving holiday with Mike Zuzalo. And you can find him globalcom with two M's, research.com. You can find him online. All right, coming up next, we're going to head back to the NAFB convention in Kansas City, Missouri for a few conversations, including one with Tanner Emke from CoBank. That's coming up next on AOA, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel, a diesel that does it. Mess around. Back with more right after this. Join us the first Wednesday of every month on AOA for the latest episode of The Monthly Grind with our friends at the National Corn Growers Association. We'll discuss the latest topics surrounding the corn industry, the relationships between corn and other parts of the agricultural supply chain, the newest initiatives and partnerships from NCGA's Market Development Action Team, and much more. That's the first Wednesday of every month for The Monthly Grind on AOA. It's a show you don't want to miss. In today's troubled world, our USA Armed Forces stand ready to protect you, your family, and our American way of life. When veterans return to civilian life, they deserve your recognition and support. You can help put vets to work by donating your car, truck, or van to Patriotic Hearts. Your donation will directly support programs to help vets find jobs or even start their own business. Donate today for fast, free pickup of your vehicle, running or not. Operators are standing by to answer questions about making a tax-deductible vehicle donation. Find out how you can make a difference in the life of a United States veteran. Call 800-209-6416 for 24-hour response. Call 800-209-6416. 800-209-6416. That's 800-209-6416. This is Ernie Johnson Jr. Sports is about overcoming obstacles. And college coaches work hard to help young men overcome Duchenne muscular dystrophy. It's called Coach to Cure MD and you can help. Text the word CURE to 501-501 to donate $25 on your next mobile phone bill. Or go online to coachtocuremd.org. Text the word CURE to 501-501. Help coaches cure MD. Brought to you by the American Football Coaches Association. Teachers are dynamic leaders, shaping a new generation. They bring a variety of perspectives from diverse backgrounds, innovating how they teach to prepare students for our fast-changing world. Achieving this takes skill and expertise. They're tireless explorers, creatively discovering a universe of solutions, telling stories, experimenting, inspiring, mentoring, Connecting cultures and connecting with each other. Leading by example. Experience the unique joy of helping students thrive. Teaching is a journey that shapes lives. Are you ready to begin? 
Explore teaching at teach.org. A campaign supported by the U.S. Department of Education, teach.org, and one million teachers of color. Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed. AOA. Now back to Jesse Allen. And welcome back to AOA, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Jesse Allen back with you here as we dive into uh, more of our conversations from the NAFB convention in Kansas City, Missouri. I was able to sit down last week with Tanner Emke, lead grain and oilseed economist with CoBank. They have a new report out examining uh, elevator storage and more. And so we dove into that report and talked about the markets uh, as a whole. Let's listen into that conversation I had last week at NAFB with Tanner Emke from CoBank. Tanner, always good to see you, my friend. How are you? I am doing great. Thanks for having me back, Jesse. Well, let's talk uh, a little bit about what's going on in this grain and oilseed market right now, and we're going to tie that in uh, to some uh, interesting things, a, a new outlook you guys just released at CoBank looking at grain storage uh, for elevators. Uh, but just for starters, as we're wrapping up harvest. I'd say it's safe to say we're at the finish line here, um, getting this crop out of the field this year. Mm -hmm. You look at this marketplace right now. Soybeans have obviously been rallying with some of the South America weather issues while corn's kind of just hanging around there. Wheat's been under a little bit of pressure. Just your overall take of this grain market here as we're heading towards Thanksgiving and towards the end of the month right now. Well, Jesse, you, uh, you already brought it up. It's all about South America. Yeah. Right? At this point in time, uh, there is so much uh, on uh, what happens in uh, specifically in Brazil. It's uh, record drought. Uh, and, so, and so much of uh, Brazil's uh, main growing region in Mato Grosso. Mm -hmm. uh, that northern two-thirds uh, two of the country uh, is dealing with some uh, really stressful growing uh, in, uh, conditions right now, a lot of replanting going on. Uh, at the same time, in the southern part of the country, uh, extreme uh, weather there as well with floods and uh, excess precipitation, so uh, probably some delayed planting or replanting uh, going on there as well. So what that's going to do is that's going to shorten the growing season, mm -hmm. uh, and we're going to probably lose some acres of uh, soybeans and perhaps uh, some uh, corn, safrina corn, uh, that follows that uh, next year. And so uh, there's a big question mark on right now how big uh, the Brazilian crop is going to be. And <clears throat> remember, they have expanded their acreage about 5%. 4 to 5% is kind of the, uh, the estimate at this point in time. So although we're dealing probably with a uh, decreased yield scenario for uh, Brazil right now, mm -hmm. it's on expanded acreage. So, so we can't uh, forget that uh, you know, that could balance out. And we could still yet see a very strong uh, showing from Brazil again this year. Okay, but uh, as it is right now, um, yeah, not not good in South America, and that's where the market is bring, bringing in that premium uh, for uh, soybeans relative to corn. You mentioned corn's not uh, really doing a lot right now, and that is because we are coming off of a very big harvest mm -hmm. here in the U.S. Uh, USDA came out with their numbers here. Uh, we're talking about a very big crop, and so that's overhanging the market, and so. Clearly, that differential on price is uh, being exhibited with uh, more premium on soybeans relative to corn. 
Uh, and then you, you mentioned for wheat, um, you know, the Russians continue to export, yep. and that it continues to hang on global wheat prices. Uh, now, that being said, we're going to continue to come back to this point that uh, wheat outside of Russia uh, may not be uh, so abundant uh, because China had their weather issues and they've bought a lot of uh, wheat from the U.S., specifically soft red winter wheat, mm-hmm. uh, and then uh, uh, issues in uh, Australia, uh, issues in uh, Argentina. And so uh, what you've got now is a tighter uh, global scenario for wheat, uh, except for the Russians. Uh, it always keeps, comes down to uh, those very cheap Russian exports that are pushing down and hanging on global wheat prices. Well, I want to talk about, with the markets overall, and look at some of these uh, price, the price action that we have right now. I wonder if that is part of the reasoning why some farmers are maybe not moving grain to town right now to the elevator. I think that could be one catalyst. And let's talk about this new CoBank report because it sounds like it's a little bit of a challenge right now for grain elevators to get their hands and get ownership of bushels right now. Absolutely. Uh, All of our customers across the board uh, report uh, that farmers are very slow in their selling this year. Uh, for a couple of reasons. Remember, uh, farmers last year had uh, record net farm income. Most farmers don't need the cash. They have cash. And so they are content, for the most part, uh, to sit on their grain and wait for a more uh, favorable market environment to develop. If they do need cash, they're going to sell beans first. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're going to sit on the corn. Uh, because Soybeans have performed more favorably, uh, because mostly because of the South American situation, but also because we had a smaller crop this year. And we've got expanding crush capacity with renewable diesel, and so that's putting a stronger bid uh, under, in the cash market for uh, soybeans. And so that's invited a lot more uh, farmers selling for soybeans relative to corn. Uh, but still, that being said, when you talk to the elevators out there, across the board, far, uh, the elevators are reporting that farmers are very reluctant sellers, and that is especially the case for corn. And so that's created uh, some question marks about ownership for the elevator. Uh, how does the elevator incentivize the farmer to part with those bushels? Because uh, right now, uh, if the elevator owns those bushels, uh, it's going to be a healthy profit margin because mm-hmm. the basis is wider, so they're going to buy a cheaper basis. And the carries are back in the futures market after two years of having an inverted uh, futures market that yes. penalized storage. Okay, so now the elevators are back in the game for storage, uh, which has been a little bit of a learning curve for some elevators. There are some grain manager, uh, grain traders out there who don't know how to trade grain in a carry market. Yeah. And so it's just a different environment. So what does this mean for the farmer. Well, the farmer needs to view that elevator as a partner and think and talk with them about their marketing strategies. If Are they going to store the grain and mm-hmm. uh, defer and uh, just wait to sell and pay monthly fee on that storage? Are they going to do delayed pricing yeah. or DP? That comes with some caveats. Okay, Remember, the farmer is releasing title of that grain over mm-hmm. to the grain elevator. They're going to own the grain. And yet it's un- unpriced. Okay, so how is the grain elevator going to make money on that? Well, there's a h- elevated risk for, that, uh, for the grain elevator, and that, is, that comes with uh, tightening basis. So they own the grain, and then they might sell it to an end user. But the problem is the buy basis is still open, mm-hmm. and it could tighten up on them, and they could lose. Um, uh, f- there could be some financial losses on that basis. 
Okay. So what they're going to do then is they're going to have to make that up, that higher risk, financial risk, with structuring that uh, delayed pricing um, accordingly. It's going to be higher yeah. service charges is what that means. Yeah. So from the farmer perspective, you got to sit down and talk to the elevator. What does this mean to me personally? How does this affect me personally? What are my options? Yeah, I've been hearing a lot of talk about DP here the last couple of uh, last month or so, I would say. And, and to your point, farmers uh, need to understand all the options that are in front of them. It's just good risk management to kind of know the ins and outs of all these different programs. And you and I were talking uh, before we went on the air. Your co-op is a partner. Yes. So talk to them have a plan and work with them, right? Yes, and understand the, what the prog program they have, the programs that they have entail. Uh, if you're going to do DP, ask the co-op, how is it structured? Yeah, yeah, very, very true. A any other thoughts about this report that you guys just put out from CoBank here? I know folks can look through the whole report on the Knowledge Exchange online if they want to take a look and, and have other questions. Anything else that you guys found in that report that you'd want to add? There's a lot of... Uh, concern about what happens in South America, but that's yeah. not the only thing that could turn our markets again. Uh, remember, we had two years of inverted markets. Yeah. A bad crop in South America could invert this market yet again, um, or just in general, a weaker dollar, um, a, uh, improved water levels on the Mississippi River. Anything that wakens or awakens the export program could quickly turn this market back, uh, and we could be back in an inverted uh, situation again. If all, if all those things converge, Weaker dollar, improved water levels on the Mississippi River, uh, a much smaller South American crop, and now we're back into a situation where uh, it would be a remarkably different market environment. Have a plan, manage your risk, and, and make sure that you are prepared for what could happen out there in these markets. Tanner Emke with CoBank, always great to have a conversation with you, sir. Thanks for joining us here in Kansas City, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you, Jesse. Uh, thanks for having me. And once again, great to talk with Tanner Emke from CoBank last week at the NAFB convention in Kansas City, Missouri. You could check out that full report on uh, grain storage and more uh, for elevators. It's under the uh, CoBank Knowledge Exchange. Just go to CoBank.com. There's a tab there for the Knowledge Exchange. You could find it under the uh, grain side of the Knowledge Exchange. Again, just go to CoBank.com and find the Knowledge Exchange tab. They have a lot of stuff there that you can uh, check out and will no doubt uh, help pique your interest on many things. All right, coming up next, we're going to continue uh, listening into conversations from the NAFB convention at Kansas City last week. I had a chance to sit down with Dr. Paul Sundberg from the Swine Health Information Center ahead of his retirement here at the end of the year. And we touched on some of the infectious diseases impacting swine herds around the world, including African swine fever, PERS here in the U.S., and more. Let's listen to that conversation coming up after the break as we're back with more on AOA. Brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel, a diesel that doesn't mess around. We'll be back with more on the way right after the break. Join us every Tuesday for Around the Table, brought to you by CHS, as we examine how the modern cooperative system solves today's biggest challenges. We'll be talking to CHS experts and farmers and ranchers just like you, and we'll learn how cooperatives apply innovation and technology to help co-op owners get more value every day. Join us Around the Table every Tuesday, or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. 
The landscape of media has changed and people are more skeptical than ever about where they get their news and information. While major news outlets show decreasing credibility, your local farm radio station still shows strong marks. In a recent survey, farmers rated information from their farm broadcasters as almost twice as reliable as major news outlets. Farm radio continues to be transparent, honest, and trustworthy. This message brought to you by the National Association of Farm Broadcasting. You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Richard Risvet with this market update. The grains and oil seeds are mixed this morning. Corn is up a couple of pennies. Beans are down about eight or nine cents. Bean meal's up. Bean oil is down. All three wheats are slightly higher to start today. Now, we have seen some scattered storms continuing to provide some uneven relief to farms in center-west Brazil. That's narrowing the area of crop stress to 15 to 20 percent of the soybean belt, although return of stress is expected to expand once again to 40 percent of the belt over the next 10 days or so. Traders remain nervous going through the holiday trading period here. Markets will be closed tomorrow for Thanksgiving and then a shortened session on Friday. Wheat prices received a bump from fresh Chinese purchases of U.S. soft red wheat, along with some technical short covering. Now, Chinese state-owned buyers were largely absent from the soybean market last week. That was the week of the meeting between Chinese President Xi Jinping and President Joe Biden. Other commercial buyers, though, booked 10 cargoes of soybeans last week, primarily from Brazil for both nearby and new crop soybean shipments between February and March. This was far below the typical 20 to 30 cargoes that they normally buy each week this time of year. China has almost fully covered November shipment demand, committing to 9.3 million metric tons of soybeans with nearly 4.5 million from Brazil, which was 3 million metric tons above the volume in the same period last year. China booked about 10.7 million metric tons of beans between December and February. That's including 3.9 for November, 2.9 for December, and 3.9 for February, half of which were Brazilian soybeans. Now, this is typically the time of year when U.S. bean shipments dominate Chinese imports, but cargo delays caused by the Panama Canal issue are still a big concern for Chinese buyers. Slow passage through Panama Canal will likely postpone some November shipments until December. And crude oil prices are over 4% off on reports that Sunday's OPEC meeting has been delayed. You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Richard Ristvet. Over the years, you've brought them into your home. You were prescribed opioids after the C-section, when dad injured his back, when your basketball star tore his ACL. Opioids helped with the pain, and you held on to them just in case. But did you know holding on to unused opioids puts your family at risk? Opioids are powerful pain-reducing prescription medicines, but most people who are prescribed opioids don't finish their prescriptions. So millions of unused opioids are sitting at homes across the country. And tragically, more than 100 Americans die every day from overdoses involving opioids. What can you do to protect your family? Remove the risk of unused opioids from your home. Pills, patches, or syrups in drawers, purses, and cabinets, anywhere they might be hiding. To find out how to dispose of them properly, visit www.fda.gov slash drug disposal. Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed. AOA. Now back to Jesse Allen. And welcome back to Agriculture of America. Today's program brought to you by Senex Premium Diesel, fueled by innovation, powered to perform. You can find your nearest location right around the corner or just go online to Senex.com for more information. 
Well, last week at the NAFB convention in Kansas City, Missouri, I had a chance to sit down, uh, probably one of the last times I'm going to sit down and have a conversation with Dr. Paul Sunberg from the Swine Health Information Center. Dr. Sunberg has given so much time and uh, expertise to the swine health industry over the years, and he is retiring here at the end of the year, and uh, Megan Niederwerder is going to be taking over as executive director of Schick from Dr. Sunberg, but I was able to get a few minutes of Paul's time at the NAFB convention to uh, discuss some of the infectious diseases we're watching around the world, including African swine fever and some other things here at home. Really informative conversation, as it always is. Here is that conversation with Dr. Paul Sunberg from Swine Health Information Center. And joining us now here on the program, pleased to talk with my good friend, Dr. Paul Sunberg, Executive Director of the Swine Health Information Center. And uh, Paul, it's great to see you here at another NAFB. Thanks for joining me today. Uh, thanks for the opportunity, Jesse. It's always good to visit with you. Let's get down to uh, business in terms of uh, what's going on with diseases, not only uh, around the world, but here at home with our hog herds. Um, I know obviously we talked a lot over the years about ASF and, and other things like PERS, et cetera, et cetera. What's some of the latest you're hearing? Let's start here at home, I think. Uh, what's some of the latest that we're dealing with right now across you know, the country? We've got a risk. This is coming into PERS season. And for the last two months, we've seen an increase in PERS infections in finishing floors. And the experience all the way back to pseudorabies when you get something in a finishing floor, it's not long before it's going to jump into breeding herds. We don't have a whole lot of infection in breeding herds right now. Um, the PERS uh, is centered in the Midwest, just like normal, if you would. Mm -hmm. Iowa, Minnesota, uh, Missouri, Nebraska, in that area. But uh, there's quite a bit of finishing herds that are being infected. And that's putting, we don't, it hasn't happened yet but it's putting the breeding herds in those areas at high risk. So that's really important. The other thing that's going on right now, which is a little strange, is we've kind of got an upside down situation with PED. Mm -hmm. um, uh, PED right now is more prevalent in, um, in the breeding herd than it is in the finishing herds. And that's a little strange thing that, that we don't see very often. It's happened, I think it was 2017, 2018, that that happened back then. Um, and really, that's probably some good news because um, the theory is, out in the countryside at least, it seems that what's going on is uh, people in the, on the, with the finishing floors are cleaning it up so much faster that they're staying more negative than the breeding herds are. They're having a harder time taking it out. So we've maybe got a little success there, too, mm -hmm. with PED in, in taking care of it a little bit more quickly. Okay, okay. I, I want to come back to some biosecurity issues and topics here in just a second, but I want to ask you about the world side of the equation. That's where we have more of an African swine fever problem, I know, as well. What's some of the latest on ASF around the world? Sure, ASF still is moving through Europe, and it's southern Europe, Italy, uh, and the eastern countries in, in southeast Europe as well. So it's still alive. It's still moving. We've still got it in the Dominican Republic. Um, that's the closest it is. And I don't know if it's our biggest risk, but um, there's if you if you equate risk with with um, uh, with with geography, mm -hmm. then certainly then that would be a risk. Um, 
we probably are most at risk of ASF around the world. We've got to learn lessons of things that have gone on. And you see it being transmitted by meat. It's not a food safety issue for people at all. They can't get it. But if a pig comes into contact, eats a, an infected piece of meat, um, then, then it's going to get it. And certainly in Europe, you see it jump 100 miles at a time. And that's not because it's crawling along the, in some pig, feral pig that's moving a countryside. Mm-hmm. That's some meat that's going around, uh, that's being transmitted. So um, we've got to, we still work with the, the Customs and Border Protection and, um, and work on everything we can do to keep illegal products from coming into the country. I think that's probably one of our biggest risks and something that, that everybody has to pay attention to on the farm. The farm mm-hmm. is really the last brick in the wall. If, sure. if ASF gets into the country in some manner, it nobody's going to know it unless it infects a pig. And if you keep it off your farm, then we won't have ASF. So those meat products off of the farm, biosecurity on the farm, all of the types of things with anything that is a, a contact uh, internationally, including feed products internationally, um, can be a risk. And it's something we've just got to pay attention to. China, hearing a lot of talk about ASF kind of going, making another wave through China. Are you hearing the same right now? Yeah, yeah. China is is kind of a conundrum. It, it, you don't get a lot of good information out no, of China. No, you don't. Is no, thing. you don't. But, um, but you can, they're in an effort to try to rebreed their, or rebuild their breeding herd. Mm-hmm. And if they're going to rebuild their breeding herd, they're trying to bring in naive pigs to do that, naive gilts to do that, and of course that's going to um, that's going to mean a, a, a good spot for more ASF infection to happen. And I think that's what's still going on there. They're trying to use some vaccines, um, and and some of those are bathtub type of things that uh, it may make the pig sick it may keep them alive it may even kill them but um but what it possibly will do and probably will do is it will um push that virus more more down under the table if you will it'll be um it'll be chronic infections that are harder to detect mm-hmm. and easier to transmit and so that could give us another challenge as we go forward Let's talk, uh, bring it back home here a little bit. Obviously, we've managed to keep ASF out of the U.S., and that is uh, such a such an important task here. Uh, but thinking about disease traceability and things along that line, I know that's something that a lot of the, the pork groups here in the U.S. are currently working on to, to help us build a better system, right? Yeah, yeah, it sure is. Uh, we don't have a very good system for tracing where our pigs have been and and being able to trace back or trace forward where they've been, where they came from, and where they went to. Uh, we just don't have a very good system with that. It, it Individual producers do. They have the information, but that really isn't uh, uh, something that can help us. Should we get ASF or some disease that will limit our trade, will stop our trade, uh, we have to have a traceability system so we can say this product is safe. This product came from 
pigs that we know where they came from, we know what they were doing, and we know they didn't have this. Mm-hmm. And we don't have that right now. We're, we're, uh, we're behind the EU, for example, in that. They've got a very good system there. Canada's got a better system than us. And so we're still, we got to catch up with that. And we got to make that happen because that's a big piece of being prepared for ASF to be able to recover as quickly as possible should it get here. Well, I know as well with Schick, you guys uh, welcome producer input and, and thoughts from them on how to manage some of these risks and more. And, and talk about that a little bit because I know folks can easily do that online, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, yeah, et cetera, et cetera. I'll tell you, um, one of the things we do every year is we um, uh, put together a plan of work for the next year. We try to put put the lines on, uh, along the road so we know where we're going and what we're going to try to get done. And it is producer input that we use for what we need to do. We're, SHIC is, has a mission of being responsive to emerging diseases, responsive to industry needs. We can change quickly. We can change direction and, and do something different should it come up. And we need to have that input from producers, from veterinarians. We go out and talk to as many people as we can and get as much input as possible. So for the producer out in the countryside, um, even talking to their state association, if they want to talk locally, their state association, we use the state associations as a filter, too, to get us information. Um, otherwise, swinehealth.org. You can go right on swinehealth.org. My contact information, Dr. Megan Niederwerder's mm-hmm. contact information is on there. A call or an email anytime is is very welcome. Well, and again, uh, swinehealth.org for more information. And I should say as well, Dr. Sundberg, congratulations. I know you have upcoming uh, retirement here. And uh, you mentioned <laughs> yes. Dr. Niederwerder. <laughs> She's going to be stepping in as uh, the executive director. And I know... She'll do a great job. We've had conversations with her before, but uh, just want to say I've always appreciated our time over the years and uh, getting uh, getting knowledge as to what's going on in the swine industry. I know a lot of folks really appreciate it, so thank you for everything you've done, for well, sure. Well, I appreciate the kind words. It's been an honor working with you and everybody in the whole pork industry. Yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to retirement, but I'll probably still... <laughs> throw them some things around every now and then. You'll still be around. You'll <laughs> still you'll, you'll still be making your voice heard here and there. Well, you know, the invitation uh, to be on my show is always there anytime. Uh, if there's things you want to talk about going on with the swine industry, always happy to have you on the show, Paul. I appreciate that. Thanks very much, Jesse. Dr. Paul Sunberg with the Swine Health Information Center joining us here at the NAFB Convention in Kansas City, Missouri. Again, you can learn more at swinehealth.org. Great stuff there. Again, Dr. Paul Sunberg with the Swine Health Information Center. He is someone who I've talked to over the years uh, throughout my farm broadcasting career. Always seem to learn something new every time I talk to Dr. Paul Sunberg. And uh, definitely he'll be missed. He'll be hanging around, he said, though, uh, around the industry and helping out here and there. But he is going into uh, retirement here at the end of the year. Uh, great stuff, and you can stay up to date with all the things they're doing at the Swine Health Information Center. Again, online, swinehealth.org. All right, coming up next, we're going to shift the conversation over to cattle and talk about probiotics. Dr. Steve Lerner with Christian Hansen. I talked to him at the NAFB convention last week in Kansas City, and we'll listen to that conversation coming up next here on AOA, brought to you by Cenex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oil, oil that runs smart.
farming is dangerous. There's dangers all around us. We work around it and we live around it every day. And we just become desensitized to what's around us. We go through safety training and, you know, we try and do these things to make sure accidents don't happen, but you just never know. There are so many farmers that I think take for granted all of the underground utilities that are there. You don't want to hit a gas pipe because that's your life. The other part of it is if you hit certain things, you're liable for it. I mean, we kind of know what's out here, but all at the same time, you, you just always call. Farm Safe 811 starts with you. Whether you're installing drain tile or doing any sort of digging, always call 811 and wait for any underground lines to be marked and have the depth confirmed. That's farming with care. But if a line does get damaged, go somewhere safe and call 911. Always keep safety in the back of your mind. Just stay humble. For more information, go to farmsafe811.org. I'm Shanola Hampton. Every day, millions of people face hunger. Today, I will share with you some of their experiences. I'm stuck between paying for medications or paying for food. John from Maine. After paying my bills, I can buy groceries. It's sad to say, food comes last. Alice from Oregon. I thought pantries were for less fortunate people, but anybody could be less fortunate in a day or even a second. Claire from Virginia. The Feeding America network of food banks helps provide over six billion meals to people in need each year. No one should have to worry where their next meal will come from. Together, we can end hunger. Learn more at feedingamerica.org. Non-attorney paid spokesperson. Could your house go into foreclosure? Are you behind on your mortgage payments? Does it seem like the bank has no interest in helping you save your home and you feel like you have nowhere to turn for help? Then we have good news for you. Foreclosure Protection Services can help save your home as they specialize in foreclosure assistance. That's all they do. If you're behind on your mortgage payments, being threatened with foreclosure, have been denied a loan modification, or been the victim of a predatory loan, it's critical that you call Foreclosure Protection Services now at 800-926-1701. Their network of attorneys and their agents are available to speak to you now. If you're behind on your mortgage payments, Foreclosure Protection Services can help stop the foreclosure process. Call today before it's too late. New laws are in effect that may save your home. Call Foreclosure Protection Services now at 800-926-1701. 800-926-1701. That's 800-926-1701. The archaeological record suggests that wheat was first cultivated in the regions of the Fertile Crescent, also known as the Cradle of Civilization, around 9600 BC. The Roman goddess Ceres, who was deemed protector of the grain, gave grains their common name today, cereal. Wheat is the primary grain used in U.S. grain products. Approximately three-quarters of all U.S. grain products are made from wheat flour. The first bagel rolled into the world in 1683 when a baker from Vienna, Austria, was thankful to the king of Poland for saving Austria from Turkish invaders. The baker reshaped the local bread so that it resembled the king's stirrup. The new bread was called bugel, derived from the German word for stirrup. Ancient traditional tortillas were made from ground corn by Mexican natives as long as 2,000 years ago. However, flour tortillas only started to become popular in the 19th century. More types of foods are made with wheat than with any other cereal grain. These farm facts brought to you by the American Ag Network. 
Sports allow us to play, learn, and grow. But there's something more important than victory. At the U.S. Center for Safe Sport, we believe every athlete deserves to be safe. Safe from abuse and misconduct on and off the field. We equip athletes, parents, coaches, and others with the right education to recognize, prevent, and respond to harmful behavior. Join the movement to champion respect and end abuse at uscenterforsafesport.org. Trains are everywhere. You should always expect one, even on private property. Only cross tracks at designated crossings that fit your equipment. If you don't fit, don't commit. Whenever you're operating, secure your load, raise your equipment, and avoid getting stuck or causing damage. Minimize distractions. Remember, noisy equipment drowns out the sound of a train. Unless you're crossing, always keep a safe distance from train tracks. Look, listen, live. For more info, go to oli.org. information America's farmers and ranchers need, AOA. Now, back to Jesse Allen. Welcome back to AOA, brought to you by Cenex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oil. Last week at NAFB, I talked with Dr. Steve Lerner from Christian Hansen about good gut health in our animals. Let's listen to that interview. The health of an animal's gut can really influence everything else going on throughout their body and you were just telling me some interesting things that you have been talking about with folks here recently so connect the dots for us here what exactly is going on when we talk about good gut health tying that in with everything else well let me start a little further back in history and roughly 3.2 billion years ago uh, bacteria were among the first life forms on earth so every other life form evolved in the presence of bacteria. So they inhabit our digestive system, about 14 trillion in people, hundreds of trillion in cattle, but it is us that carries them around and have since 3.2 billion years ago in our evolution. It is only reasonable that these bacteria have found a way to communicate with their host. Okay. And the sum of all these bacteria, the term is called microbiome, that represents all the bacteria in and on us. And we have evidence, uh, mostly from human medicine, that this collective of all organisms, the microbiome, in a good, healthy state, drives positive health consequences. Mm -hmm. But when in a state of dysfunction can lead to everything from gingivitis and gum disease to type 1 and type 2 diabetes to a whole host of autoimmune things, including autism and Alzheimer's. So from your mouth to your brain. And we have seen that if you can add things like effective probiotics, mm -hmm. you can improve the stability and robustness of that microbiome if you're a producer of meat, milk, and eggs uh, with cattle, pigs, chickens, then you want to keep animals healthy. Mm -hmm. We've been talking about probiotics forever that they improve digestion and absorption of nutrients out of the feed. They support the barrier functions, keeping things that move through the gut out of the animal's body and support immune functions. But now we add another layer saying, if you can use things to support good gut health and a robust, stable microbiome, 
then you may be positively impacting the cognitive function of the animal. It's mental well-being, mm-hmm. and we've actually done several studies in poultry because it's, quite frankly, easy to collect the digestive tract of a chicken sure, relative sure. to a steer yeah. and found that there are uh, significant changes in the amount of serotonin, the hormone of well-being being produced, a reduction in corticosterone, the hormone of stress being produced. And we've actually been able to assess skittishness and comfort in chickens. And these things are improved when you have a healthy digestive system. We think about all those things that you mentioned that affect us as humans. I don't necessarily think about some of those things affecting my livestock herd on the farm. I I think it's fascinating that a lot of the same things that affect us as humans will affect our livestock herds. It it all kind of correlates together, Dr. Lerner. Well, sir, we, we are all, in fact, mammals. Yeah. It should not surprise us that there's similar physiology. Now, of course, in cattle, we have a rumen that is a huge fermentation vat. Mm-hmm. If you talk about an animal that is adapted to live with bacteria within it, those bacteria are what provide all the sustenance to, that, to those cattle. Sure. But when you think that it is truly in our interest to keep the animals in our care not only healthy, but if we can improve their mental well-being, how they interact with their environment, and reduce their stress simply by maintaining good gut health. Mm -hmm. This is a profound revelation. Because when you talk about sustainability and the need to be concerned about animal welfare, well, something you may have been doing as a producer unknowingly is driving that in a very positive way. Sure. And it's time, I believe, to think about not only the care and feeding to produce meat, milk, and eggs, but also what you're doing to sustainably produce animals and to care about how they feel and their capacity to function normally. Mm -hmm. Share some tips with us about uh, starting your livestock herd on an effective probiotic. Can we talk about that a little bit? Absolutely. You, You know you've heard me say many times, you your children, everybody you know, and every animal in your care, including your pets, should be on an effective probiotic every day. And you say, well, why would you say that? If I am bringing calves out of a pasture, they've been with their their mothers, they're now going to be put into a high-stress environment, Mm -hmm. maybe on a long haul, some are weaned on diesel exhaust, as we say, and they're going to be commingled. And like when you put Uh, Seven-year-olds on a school bus and take them to school, they all get sick. Mm -hmm. This is what happens, and BRD is a reality. Well, if I can, as soon as practical, provide an effective probiotic that enables those calves to get more nutrients out of their feed, then in the allocation resource model of life, they will allocate those nutrients for maintaining their body, for growing their body, and for defending themselves. And if they're better able to defend themselves because they have stressors and they need defense, then they're likely to simply do better when they have more nutrients and more resources available. Mm -hmm. So, And then that carries on to a feedlot. It carries on for heat stress, we've talked about previously. And every feed change, there's stress. There's social pressure. 
and everything that you can do to improve the likelihood of success by maintaining a healthy functioning gut, to get nutrients out of feed into the body, to support normal, healthy immune functions, and now to support the whole array of things coming from the gut through microbiome into the body to reduce peripheral inflammation, to improve pancreatic function for insulin secretion, to improve the release of fat tissue for sustenance, and cognitive function, how they think and feel. This is a major win. And for the life of the animal in your care, you should always consider effective additives like probiotics. That's Dr. Steve Lerner from Christian Hansen last week at NAFB. We're out of time on AOA, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Have a great rest of your day. Paid non-attorney spokesperson. Are you over the age of 60 and been diagnosed with lung cancer? If so, you and your family may qualify for a cash award. Our experienced attorneys are standing by to evaluate whether you have a lung cancer claim that qualifies you for a cash award. The consultation is absolutely free and there is no risk and no money out of pocket. We only receive a fee when we secure you and your family a settlement. 250,000 people are diagnosed with lung cancer every year. You're not alone in this battle. We can help make sure that you and your family are financially safe and that medical expenses are covered. Again, if you've been diagnosed with lung cancer and are over age 60, call now. Don't delay. There are deadlines for filing claims. We're standing by 24-7. Call us at 1-844-903-1744. 1-844-903-1744. That's 1-844-903-1744. Attorney Advertising. William Stephacker Jr. is the attorney responsible for this ad. Main office, Granton, Pennsylvania. May not be available in all states. A promise is potent, born of intention, fueled by commitment. It's seeing things through, always showing up. And we know a thing or two about promises here at Susan G. Komen. Over 40 years ago, we locked arms with you toward one vision, a world without breast cancer. By investing in life-saving research and standing up for patient rights, we are shifting the system so all people everywhere get the care they deserve. Because if you've just been diagnosed and don't know where to turn, we've got you. If you can't afford the treatment you need, we've got you. And if you are driven to raise money to honor the best friend you've just lost, we have a place for you here because of you. We're supporting those who need help today while tirelessly searching for tomorrow's cures. Ending breast cancer needs all of us. Visit Komen.org and be a part of the Susan G. Komen community today.